In October 2017, a 3-year-old Indian American child, Sherin Matthews, was declared missing in Texas. Sherin Matthews was a child from Bihar who was adopted by an NRA couple. An amber alert was issued and a search began for her. Her father Wesley Matthews claimed to have left her outside their house near a tree when she refused to drink up her milk. He said this happened at 3 a.m. However, he only reported her missing at 8 a.m. The search began and Sherin Matthews was nowhere to be found. A week later, her remains were found inside a culvert near their home. Wesley Matthews changed the story when the body was found and claimed she died accidentally as he was trying to force her to drink her milk. The case got murkier after that statement with evidence pointing towards something more sinister. Welcome to Dear Pari, a groundbreaking podcast series presenting facts, bursting myths and tackling stigma around adoption. It will bring to you varied viewpoints from adoptees, parents, adoption experts and government officials. This podcast is being brought to you by Suno India, a podcast platform for issues that matter. Hi, this is Priya and this is Rakesh, your host of Dear Pari. Richardson police searching for the 3-year-old Sharon Matthews. They say she could be in grave danger. Breaking news coming in from Texas, USA, where we are getting to know that uh, the body of 3-year-old Sharon Matthews Saraswati Kumari or Sharon Matthews is duniya mein nahi rahi. Sharon ko Nalanda ke naal se gaya. The 3-year-old Indian girl who had gone missing for over 2 weeks in the United States in fact has been found dead. The girl's foster father, however, has admitted that he had punished her for not obeying him. and even saw her choking while drinking milk and then hid her body for over a fortnight the girl's father had been trying to misguide the police the girl's body was found uh, in in a culvert less than a mile from matthew's home the matthews had in, uh, adopted shireen about 2 years ago from an orphanage in india when the news of this case broke they took us like it took many many across the two nations What stood out was that the family had a biological child of the same age. It soon became apparent from the news reports and as investigation proceeded that Sharon wasn't fully accepted as their own and the family continued to look at her as an outsider. It soon became clear that there was something more sinister with the case. With an entire community closing ranks and thwarting the investigation as much as they could, a Facebook page came up to help with the search for Sharon Matthews and soon became a page seeking justice for the little girl. We spoke to the admins of this page, Shaina and Rina, child rights advocates, about the case and its aftermath. Some parts of this episode may be disturbing, so please take this as a trigger warning. Me and Shaina had so much information that even the detectives on the case didn't have. So it was to a point where you know we were in touch with FBI, with the detectives, the district attorney. We were in contact with everyone, um, which is also why we received so much positive attention when it came down to us talking about the law because they knew that Shaina and I have been on top of it from day one, trying to you know get justice for this. We asked them to tell us more about the case and how they got involved with it. I believe that right away in the beginning when the Matthews parents left and went to India they did a an interview with one of the Indian newspaper and they made it seem like 
over there that they have no idea their kids would never do anything like this, ever abuse them. Later in the investigation that we found out that the Matthews father and mother were actually living with the Matthews the entire time. So having that in the last four months of her death, she had 23 skeletal fractures and that they didn't know anything about it is a bit off. It's, it's very off that a little baby under 25 pounds suffering from 23 fractures. Some of it has come out in court, which is fact. Um, stuff that we know from talking to people who knew the Matthews personally. But I, I think one of the main disturbing things about this, this whole case is that um, people knew that she was being mistreated and people knew that she was being abused. And no one did anything about it. The only person that reported her that was the doctor, was the pediatrician. I mean, these people knew what was going on and no one did anything to help her. So Sharon supposedly had a condition. It's called uh, strabismus. It's a condition of the eye that kind of uh, curves in, um, which is not a permanent condition. And over here in America, it's actually a very common condition. Um, It's for children who either suffer some sort of neurological uh, disorder. It comes from many things. So the doctors here are very familiar with it. It's the eye that weakens and goes in the corner, which is what Sharon had, which is why um, the Matthews quote unquote said that she was disabled child, disfigured. If you want to go by what Wesley's lawyer says, she was disfigured. And that's why they didn't have pictures of her on the wall. One of the challenges that families face in adoption is the lack of extended family's acceptance of the child who was adopted. Tragically, in Sherin's case, her religion and her identity as Saraswati before she became Sherin played into how she was received by the extended family. The family didn't put up any photos on the wall of Sherin as they believed she was an evil eye, among other beliefs, says Reena. Culturally, it was often quoted that she's still a Hindu. You know, because they were a uh, Christian practicing uh, faith or Pentecostal. According to some of the witnesses that knew the Matthews, um, it was allegedly talked about that the father and mother of the Matthews um, said that no matter what, she's still a Hindu and she's a Nagan. So it was just a word that was described about Sharon very often um, because even though that they converted her and did whatever they could to them, the blood is still the blood of evil. So n- therefore, no pictures were allowed to be hung because they believe that if you put pictures of her, that you would have evil eyes looking at you all the time. And then because of that, anything bad that happened in that home, if a plate fell, they, they would blame Sharon that it happened because of the evil girl. Do you think people across like US, India would have mobilized and reacted like in a similar way if Shireen was not an adopted child? There's there's a lot of people like Rena and I who I think people would have been outraged no matter what because there are other cases similar to Sharon's where kids, you know, young kids have died at the murdered at the hands of their parents. But I do think that Sharon's case is very unique, um, considering, um, you know, that she was 
adopt she had she was already abandoned at birth and then she was adopted and um you know she was supposed to be loved and taken care for and she wasn't i mean she was tortured abused and murdered um and then also the you know in my opinion there's a lot of um kind of uprising with the cps part um there's a lot of work that needs to be done with our child protective systems between them and Holt, they kind of screwed the pooch on Sharon's case. Uh, you know, at the same time, um, the pediatrician was testifying that, you know, Sharon had broken bones. She wasn't thriving. At that same time, we actually made a timeline of this the, when the reports came out. At the same time, Holt had reports that came out that Sharon was doing good which doesn't make any sense, right? So it seems like, you know, there's just like a lot of miscommunication. And um, I know with, there's a lot, there are a lot of cases that slip through the CPS cracks, but I do think Sharon's case is very, very unique considering the, the inter-country adoptions in, um, which has brought a lot of interest. We all know trafficking happens. I don't believe that that's what happens in every adoption, um, but it does happen. So, but it's brought so many people from so many different organizations and different sides uh, together to, you know, protest about this and that, protest against adoption. So it's really, it kind of brought everyone out. One person who actually does, um, I won't mention his name, but um, who does videos about child trafficking and um, claims that these adoption agencies actually, they, they don't do on these follow-ups, they don't really do them. They're basically just like fake reports. One agency says she's not doing good. They call, you know, and then the other one says, oh, she's doing just fine. It just does not add up to me. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think that's necessarily true for everybody. Um, However, in certain cases where they have failed the adoptive child, I believe that there's a lot more involved as in personal life situations um, that they were not expecting. But then again, if it was your own child, you'll deal with it anyway. In this case, in this particular case, it was so different because the history goes back to them not being able to have a child. Uh, supposedly, they spent a lot of money on IVF treatment and it failed. And on top of that, more allegations of, you know, he was having an affair just before that. He got into a really big car accident when he came back from India. So a lot of things went wrong when they started the process with Sharon Matthews' adoption. And of course, that whole thing kicks in about she's evil, she's Hindu, she's got a spirit in her. And so all of these cultural make-believe situations, which should also be, which should also ignite a conversation um, back home. In this case, I think with Sharon, they did, that stigma played in even with the most educated people. These were people who were working in the hospital. These are IT workers. These are police officers. These are people who know the law. And these are people who are familiar with how to follow the law, but they eventually broke the biggest law. And I, I, I think that with adoption, you have to be ready for everything that comes your way. It has to be very unconditional. So it, they went into this without the unconditional attention that was required for the adoptive child. 
when Sini found out that she was pregnant, it was already a year into the process of getting Sharon Matthews because it was a two-year wait process. She tells us that members close to the family informed her that Shiny Matthews considered backing out of the adoption when she became pregnant. At this time, they tried to back out of it, but Wesley did not want to. This is um, all information just from their close members of the community that Wesley did not want to, but Sini was just like, oh no, I have, I'm pregnant. How am I going to be able to take care of two kids? He really suggested that she be on board with this because then their daughter would have another sister or another child to play with and that this is a blessing from God because, you know, they decided to adopt and God now blessed them on their own naturally with their own child. So he just always thought it was like a miracle child. So the, the whole adoptive thing really comes down to how ready are you? How, how mentally prepared are you? And I, I do believe that in this case, because they went through a shady adoption center mm-hmm. um, process, I believe is the right word, um, and they ended up being in a shady situation themselves. And again, their mindset may have been pure to adopt a child, but it was only for selfish reasons, which is what failed Sharon. You cannot involve a child in your life for any selfish reasons. It has to be very, very selfless. Since Sharon's death, the team has been campaigning to bring to fore a law against leaving children under five unattended at home. Called Sharin Law, it is currently under deliberations with representatives. What we're working for is, because um, uh, there's no legal age limit through most states in the United States to leave a child at home alone, which is what Sini did, Sini and Matthew. So um, when we found out that there was no law against that, and we feel that there should be uh, harsher punishment for that, and um, that there should be an age limit on when a child is suitable to be left at home alone. Um, So that is something that we are, you know, hoping to still work with representatives. It's just just bizarre situations that led to Sharon's law that, okay, people who knew about the abuse are going to be responsible. They have to be liable to report. Or, you know, if, if if somebody noticed that, okay, for example, Sharon was reported on Saturday morning that she was missing, but she was actually missing supposedly from Wednesday evening onwards. So people who are noticing behaviors like school, daycares, uh, they're supposed to start raising that concern that if they don't hear back from the parent about a child under five, we're trying to propose that it's going to be automatic, no fighting, no arguments, a felony. To leave a child at home alone or failure to report or, you know, just adding things on there to make it one big strict law. And all of this was because of what Sini and Wesley did to Sharon. We're kind of working the knickknacks around the Sharon's law, but it is going to be something that's going to make a difference in many children's lives. Will it save a life? It might. So it's basically to hold people accountable. So if I'm your friend and I know that you're beating your child, if tomorrow your child, uh, God forbid, if something serious happened, I will always have that fear in my mind. You know what? It's a law. I have to report it. Otherwise, my career is going down the drain. My livelihood, my children's lives are going to be ruined because I, as a person who is legally responsible to report, didn't do so. 
So that's what Sharon's law is, is to hold anybody accountable who witnesses really, uh, you know, abuse and, and misbehavior towards children. Sharon Matthews' case goes to trial next year. And we all can only hope that she receives some form of earthly justice soon. For now, the parents have lost their parental rights over their biological child who has now been adopted by a close family member. What happened with Sharon Matthews is a tragedy and has brought up the dilemma of inter-country adoptions. Should we or should we not? Sharon was probably put up for adoption domestically before she was matched with Shiny and Wesley Matthews. She was most probably rejected because of her status as a child with special needs. Would she have thrived if she had been adopted domestically? It was only fair then that she got a chance at having a family outside of the country, right? Unfortunately, she was then failed by the people who were meant to love her unconditionally. Of course, we all can always say that this is just a one-off case and it happened because of how her parents were. But could something more have been done to save her? Was the collective silence of the community around her one of the reasons for this? These are just some questions we asked ourselves during the course of making of this episode. Shereen's was a fatal case. There are many more such children who become mere cases in inter-country adoption. Like the 13-year-old girl who was abandoned in Spain by those who adopted her because she wasn't seven as they were made to believe. Or the many children who were sent abroad on fake papers. We as a community of people and parents need to ask ourselves how the system can be improved. I personally believe Shereen Matthews' tragic death is our collective failure as a society in providing a safe space for a child. In our next episode, we will bring to you perspectives on single parenting and raising a child with special needs. We also will bring to you a never-before-heard perspective, that of a birth mother. As independent producers, we rely a lot on you to spread the word. If you like our podcast, please take time and let your friends and family know about it. It's taken a lot of time and money to get you these episodes. If you appreciate it and have found them useful, then help us get you more such engaging and well-researched content. You can head to patreon.com slash sunoindia underscore in and help us produce this content from just $2 a month. If you can spare a little more, there's all sorts of bonus content available along with additional benefits at the $5 and upward tiers. Your contributions will help us stay independent and bring to you unbiased and well-researched content. If you believe that knowledge is power like we do, Please do consider contributing to us at patreon.com slash sunoindia underscore in. You'll also find this link on our website. We really, really appreciate your enthusiasm and support you've shown us since we've started. And we hope to be able to continue to provide you with such engaging content in days and months to come. And yes, don't forget to share this episode on social media with the hashtag Dearpari. We also welcome you to subscribe for free on our website sunoindia.in. Subscribers will receive the episodes as soon as they are released and will also have access to bonus tracks in the coming days. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or any other podcasting app of your choice. We would like to thank Nikhil Rao of Indian Ocean for original music, Priyanka Kumar for artwork, Tarun Nirvan our digital lead and Kunika Balhotra our communication officer for their support.